morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, April 3rd, 2019. I am Dave Biddle, very happy to be joined by the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, uh, as you look at the quarterback situation for Ohio State, you know, Ryan Day is keeping it very close to the vest. Um, I'm just curious to get your take on this. I mean, do you feel like it's definitely Justin Fields' job? I mean, do you feel like Matthew Baldwin has a shot to win this thing? Just uh, as you break it down, how do you view this quarterback situation for the Buckeyes? Well, from the start, I have believed this is a legitimate competition. Uh, I don't think there's a worse way to start a tenure for a head coach than to say I've already decided on who's starting, Uh, especially at a place like Ohio State where, in theory, you can recruit the best kid in a class. And if that kid doesn't believe – the number one kid in the country at any position doesn't believe they have a chance to play right away because the coach has made his mind up already on his most high-profile starting spot before a game's played. That hurts. That makes Ryan Day uh, have have problems. So I genuinely believe this is an open competition. Uh, I believe that from the start. I also believe Ryan Day really likes Matthew Baldwin. I think Matthew Baldwin's a recruit that didn't necessarily get the hype that he would have had he been at a different school. Remember, he didn't start until he was a senior in high school. Then he played a really nice senior year, came on really strong. OSU picked him up late, and then he got hurt again. So... This is a kid that may be one of those fly-under-the-radar kind of players. I don't think this is a shoe-in for Justin Fields. And while I would bet on Fields to win, I certainly think Baldwin is going to get a fair shot. If you're Justin Fields and you transfer to Ohio State after you go to Georgia thinking you're going to beat out Jake Fromm and you don't, you transfer to Ohio State and let's say they leave spring and they still haven't named him the starter. I mean... That's got to be weird if you're Justin Fields. You've got to feel like, you know, I mean, you came to Ohio State, obviously, to be the starter. I'm sure he's confident he will be, but you gotta, you've got to be kind of like itching for the coaching staff to name you the starter, I would think. Yeah, but, you know, feelings don't get you wins, right? I mean, <laughs> the, the, the truth is, is Justin Fields is probably told if you come to Ohio State, you're going to have to compete with Tate Martell and Matthew Baldwin for the starting job, but we think you have a great chance to play. I don't think they promised him the starting job. This isn't uh, this isn't one of those situations where they're guaranteeing playing time. It's the same thing with Jonah Jackson. They didn't promise him he'd start. They think he will start, but they didn't promise him. So if you're Fields and you're not the clear starter after spring break or after the spring game, then guess what? you got to work harder. That's simple. I mean, if Ohio State starts handing out starting jobs to people that aren't fully earned – then we have situations where we've seen what happens when maybe the best player doesn't play at a certain position. And all the JT Barrett lovers out there are going to get up in arms about me bringing it up again, but does anybody really think it was smart for Urban to have not played his best player at quarterback in the 2017 season? No. It's the same thing here. And And the culture around that team is going to be set by Ryan Day. And if Ryan Day's culture is one of whoever Ryan Day likes starts, versus whoever earns the job starts, it's a toxic thing to do. Ryan Day's not that dumb. I get that. So if Justin Fields... I, I get all that, I, and I hate to cut you off. I just... I, everything you're saying is 100% true. My thing is that if you're Justin Fields and you're in his camp, so whoever is in his camp, his, his family, obviously himself, you know, quarterback guru, Quincy Avery, if you're in Justin Fields' camp and you're transferring from Georgia, 
don't you need assurance that you're going to be the starting quarterback at the, at the school you transfer to? I mean, that would be my advice if I'm advising a kid. I'm like, okay, if you're going to transfer, make sure that wherever you go, you're going to be the starter. And I need assurance from that coach you're going to be the starter. So it, we're never going to know for sure. But, I mean, don't you feel like there's got to be something to that? You know, I understand the thought process. I genuinely do. Um, I, I think if he had transferred to another school maybe where there wasn't the track record of a Ryan Day with quarterbacks, then 100%. And maybe I'm being naive. You know, that, that's a possibility here too that, you know, I'm so focused on what Ryan Day is going to do to set the culture at his program that maybe he told Justin Fields, hey, I think you're going to start. So, you know, yes, you're the starter, right? But – you know, I I just I genuinely think that there were probably assurances that he would be given every opportunity to start. That the coach, if he had to guess, believed he would start. Did he flat out tell him you're the starter? I think that's counterproductive in a number of ways. Even if you're working to get his transfer, uh, because if then the kid maybe doesn't think he's going to work as hard, he thinks he's entitled to it. Uh, I think Justin Fields was told right now we're predicting you start. Right now we're penciling you in to start, but you still have to earn it on the field. I think that's probably the way it was set. And that probably was enough assurance to, for him to believe he's going to start this year. But let's be honest, you know, Ryan Day can't I, – I criticized Urban Meyer for catering to one player when he played JT Barrett as a senior over Dwayne Haskins. I will criticize Ryan Day the same way. I don't think he would start his tenure by doing that. I really don't. Let's move on and talk about the O-line. I feel like the Josh Meyer situation, I've talked about this on the show recently, is huge. I mean, they had to solidify the center position. And, yeah, they have Jonah Jackson coming in. You mentioned Jonah Jackson earlier. I feel like they feel like – well, I know they feel like this because I talked to Grace Sedraw the other day about this. They feel like Jonah Jackson is going to come in and play guard. Um, but, you know, Josh Meyer solidified center position. And not just that they feel like Josh Myers can be like, okay, we – you know, we – we think he can be a starter, you know. It sounds like they're way beyond that. They feel like, okay, this guy can be a stud, you know, maybe not right away as a third-year sophomore, but they feel very confident in Josh Myers. Sounds like he's locked down the job. I mean, that's huge, Bax. Yeah, it's absolutely a fantastic development for OSU. This is a kid with an amazing pedigree in football. If you look at what his family has done playing, he has the genes for it. He was a highly touted kid coming out of high school here in Ohio. Uh, I think he was a top-ten recruit nationally. Uh, this is a kid who – Last year, whenever Demetrius Knox got hurt, the discussion was, do we move Michael Jordan back to guard and start Myers, or do we leave Jordan at center and start Wyatt Davis? That was a discussion the team had, and they didn't make their mind up without a lot of consideration to go the opposite direction. Josh Myers is going to be a star, and I don't know if he's going to be the Remington Award winner right away like previous guys were in their first year, but I do think he's going to have a very strong year to start, and I'm very excited to have him in the middle of the line. I do think, and I, I've been saying this for a while, I think OSU's O-line this year is going to be darn good. Like, a lot of people are concerned because there's only one returning starter, and Munford hasn't really even practiced this spring because he's been dealing with an injury. Guess what? I, I like the O-line. I really do. I like the depth. I like the players. I love the fact Jackson's coming in. I think this is going to be a good O-line. As you look at the defense, um, obviously, four new defensive coaches of the, of the five only list. What stands out so far about spring? They're moving guys around a lot, and obviously you have Brendan White playing the bullet position. you got linebackers where, you know, the three returning starters are out there running with the ones, but they also have Taraja Mitchell mixing in there a lot. I mean, uh, what kind of stands out about the silver bullets as you look at the spring so far, Bax? 
Well, they called it the bullet position instead of the thunder god position, so I'm a little sad, but that's a good name, I guess. It fits with the motif, you know, the silver. Right? But, you know, that said, I, I, I like the movement around that they're doing. They're not just saying these are our guys, plug them in. Um, you know, we, we've been seeing Baron Browning lining up as a rush end, which is something a lot of people thought, man, pin, pin that kid's ears back and let him go after the quarterback. But it, it, he looked really good when he wasn't thinking last year, right? Uh, obviously, we're talking about Toronto Mitchell being on the field. There's still a ways to go to see how that's going to play out in that situation. But, you know, moving a guy like Brendan White around, trying to build a defense around your player's strengths. We, we talk about this on offense all the time. You need to play to your team's strengths. And a lot of people, it's easier to say, oh, you know, we have Dwayne Haskins, so we're going to throw it everywhere. Oh, J.T. Barrett's the quarterback. We're going to run the ball a lot. It's harder for people to visualize that on defense, I feel like. Maybe it's because football is such a scoring game and it has all the flash and pizzazz on offense. But defensively, if you have a guy who can play a hybrid-type role like that, who's strong against the run like Brendan White but can cover, maybe you build it around a, a guy like that. Maybe you set it up so that your linebackers can be on the field and you have that bullet position as sort of a wild card. I like that they're experimenting with their players to see what they really have. They're not just coming in and going, all right, let's plug in these guys. You're starting again. I like that. It shows there's a shift in the culture on defense as well. But most importantly, it seems like they're making everything as simple as possible. And I know everybody talks about this, and it's repetitive at this point, but it feels like every player is biting their tongue and saying, yeah, 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 last year was, was totally fine. No big deal. You know, we, were, we, 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 we just are happy it's a little simpler this year. That's player speak for, oh, my God, we hated the scheme last year. So simplicity with these guys I think is really going to help. Last thing, we're about three weeks away from the NFL draft. To be specific, three weeks and one day away from the first round of the NFL draft, which will kick off April 25th, Thursday, April 25th in Nashville. Obviously, Dwayne Haskins, man, is going to be the highest Buckeye quarterback taken since Arch Schleister back in 1982 by the Baltimore Colts. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun seeing a Buckeye quarterback go high in the draft. Um, give me a prediction, man. I know there's a lot of smoke about Kyler Murray going one over all the Cardinals because it, it fits with Kingsbury. You know, I, we'll see what happens there. I was I was wrong about Baker Mayfield. Maybe I'll be wrong about Kyler Murray too. But uh, predict what's going to happen. How high do you think Wayne Haskins will go, and, and and where do you think he'll go? Um, I think his two locations are either the New York Giants, who are throwing out quite the smoke screen. They're acting so much that they don't like him that it makes me feel like they like him. It's like the playground where, like, you know, the kid throws a rock at the girl he likes, but really he loves her, right? I think that's what it feels like with oh, the Giants love, and they Haskins love right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, they, I think, the Giants love Haskins, yes. Yeah, I'm absolutely trying to convince people they don't want him, and it's, it's kind of transparent at this point. I think that's the lowest he goes. I think that you may well see teams trade up needing quarterbacks to one of those positions, three, four, five, ahead of the Giants. Um, that's the, he's the biggest mover in the draft, in my opinion, because if somebody, mo you know that you've got all these defensive linemen who are studs up there, it, stupid Kingsbury seems to think he's going to take Kyler Murray and it's no big deal to have a five foot 10 quarterback who's going to run the football and get murdered within two years in the league. Um, running quarterbacks don't work in the NFL, especially if they're not, they're shorter than me. Um, but you know, I, I think somebody is going to say, we really want Dwayne Haskins. We're going to move up and grab them, whether that's the Redskins or the Bengals or whoever. You know, I think that's why the Giants are pretending they don't like him because they don't want you to move up ahead of them thinking he'll fall. Great insights, as always, from the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. You can read his must-read column every Sunday. It is The Bucket. Thank you very much, Bax, and thank you to all of us out there for tuning in the show. I appreciate it. I hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Mm -hmm.